Welcome to the Bucket Problem, episode 11, brought to you by Homefield Apparel. I'll say it right up front, get 15% off your first order at homefieldapparel.com using the promo code BUCKETPROBLEM. This is the final part of our three-part season preview podcast. Uh, you may have heard a little noise at the beginning. I, uh, I'm entering this little Wayne style um, because we have decided that the way to really enter this season is at least with a little bit of chemical help. So uh, I have a medical card. I uh, Let's just say I'm approaching this podcast that way. Um, Dan has some beers on hand. Connor and Alex have also joined and will be uh, relaxing in their own fashion, although maybe not going quite as hard as uh, me and Dan. I think it was originally going to be uh, Dan's three beer preview podcast, and then we decided to just expand it to the entire crew. So, um, welcome everybody, Dan. I can hear you have cracked your beer. How are you feeling tonight? Uh, I'm feeling great. Um, I just had my first sip of uh, Sparkle Theory by Pipeworks Brewing Company. Um, it's a hazy India pale ale with with Sabro hops, seven um, percent alcohol by volume. I got a four pack of uh, Tall Boys. And uh, yeah, no, I mean, so this is this is when I, I think I do my best um, football analysis when I've had a, a few beers. Uh, so you know, I, th- I think we'll that test this... that theory on the record. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think I'm going to be more correct than I ever have been on this podcast, which is a high bar already. So <laughs> it truly, it truly massive bar. Um, we are God. Uh, I mean, I guess I've, I've introduced Dan. I've had him say hello, Connor. How are you doing tonight, man? Hey, I'm doing great. I uh, I have to say to Dan though, if they're gonna give that much detail about the beer, they better be paying us, man. Like I need to see that money in my Venmo. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Um, I, you know, I've mentioned the medical card thing. Any dispensaries, if you want to reach out, you know, um, the bucket problem at gmail dot com. Holler. Um, that's how you. That's how you do it, Dan. Uh, <laughs> Alex, uh, joining us tonight for football again. Uh, are you ready? to discuss football do you, are you mentally prepared to discuss football yeah i mean i just uh bought two tickets to the washington game so jesus I'm christ in. i'm <laughs> all in whether i like it or not i am going to the western game as well this weekend so yeah i'm ready i'm excited i might have a couple beers and then you know chime in about uh about the season here fantastic um and you have truly committed in a way that i don't think uh <laughs> any of the rest of us have uh i certainly haven't purchased any tickets yet um before we uh jump into the real segment one of this podcast which is uh our game by game schedule preview uh we did not cover the special teams in either of our previous two podcasts it is technically uh part of the game and while it is very difficult to predict we can at least go over it so Michigan comes into the season uh, with returners at kicker and punter. Um, Jake Moody, uh, the former walk-on, is a career 17 for 24 on field goals with a long of 48 and a perfect 32 for 32 on extra points. He was 10 for 11 on field goals as a freshman and 1 for 4 in 2020. So if you want to just chalk that up to 2020 being a weird year, that's fine by me. If you want to chalk that up to college kickers being weird, that is also fine by me. Um, there are a couple options behind him if things go sideways, and you never know because college kickers. Uh, at punter, it's a competition between 
return of Brad Robbins, who was a hyped recruit coming in, ended up being replaced by walk-on Will Hart after some struggles, and then ended up replacing Will Hart last year after Hart struggled and averaged a pretty solid 45 yards a punt. So he probably is your guy for right now. If he's not, there is a quote-unquote five-star punter, uh, you know, at least from the kicker-only recruiting services in Tommy Doman uh, on campus. So at least two options there. A kick returner and punt returner, I I think uh, Blake Corum might be the guy returning kickoffs. We are hearing Ronnie Bell is a possibility, a punt returner, which I think is uh, concerning to some of us, not for reasons related to Ronnie Bell's punt returning ability, but more um, maximizing your roster. Uh, so I'll throw it over. Connor, I know you have thoughts on that, so I'm just going to throw it straight to you. So I'm sorry to make Michigan fans relive this, and I might be getting it wrong. You can correct me uh, if someone else remembers it differently. But I remember in 2019, I think it was the Middle Tennessee State game, the opener, um, Michigan's, I forget who they threw out there to be the part returner initially, but their, their first part returner got hurt. So they put Lavert Hill, indispensable upperclassman cornerback and leader of the defense back there. Because, you know, he's reliable, right? Uh, he immediately, and remind, remember, this is against Middle Tennessee State, immediately muffs the ball. <laughs> so the ball is loose. And then he gets obliterated by like three guys and like limps off the field. Uh, Michigan needs to stop doing that. Stop putting indispensable upperclassmen at punt returner. Um, put AJ Henning or Blake Corum or one of the speedy young guys, Roman Wilson, uh, Cade Colasar. I don't care. Just like maybe not Ronnie <laughs> Bell. That's all I ask. Yeah. If you're going to put like a really critical player at punt returner, then they need to be of the Jabril Peppers game breaking level and the guys that Michigan have put back there who have been, uh, starters since then have not been that so it, it'd be nice to see i don't know yeah that is a, that is a minor annoyance a minor definitely a minor annoyance that i've had with this staff is it just feels like we always have the wrong skill set back there returning punts i don't know how they decide it like maybe they just like let the players like you know kind of fight it out or something like but it just feels like we we always have the, the wrong guys returning punts kick returners have actually mostly been okay with um but yeah, I would just love, just put someone back there, one of your, you know, million speedy quick guys that we have with, with sure hands, it's not going to muff any punts, and just like, you know, just again, not Ronnie Bell, not like one of the the only potential outside receivers on the roster. You know, I kind of liked uh, DPJ at punt returner. He was a little yes. needlessly exciting sometimes, but um, big game breaker back there, and yeah, he was a highly touted player, but not as indispensable maybe as Ronnie Bell is this year or as Levert Hill was back mm. in 2019. But, yeah, I don't know. Maybe we could have Michael Barrett returning kicks. I mean, Harbaugh's best team came with a linebacker back there returning punts, so maybe we can do that again. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. And he was a good returner like in high school and has returned some balls for Michigan. That's not, the bad, that's not a bad idea, actually. I like that. Yeah, in another life, he's a uh, triple option QB that has like 15 touchdowns and is the the favorite of the epic college football internet. So why not try it? <laughs> um, we are the we only are thing missing out. Sorry, go ahead. Then. <laughs> oh, sorry. The only thing I was going to say is uh, genuinely like very good thing that Jake Moody is is 32 for 32 and extra points. That that is no small um, advantage in in especially in college football uh, where. Like, I, I feel like the last couple of years, Michigan just was constantly missing extra points um, with 
with uh, Quinn Nordine. And um, yeah, no. So I think, I don't know. I think Michigan will may- maybe win a game that on, you know, specifically a made extra point this year. So I, I feel I feel pretty optimistic about Jake Moody. I, I like Jake Moody. He's steady. Are, are you referring disrespectively to NFL starting kicker Quinn Nordine? <laughs> oh boy, we're going to see how long that lasts. Belichick. I cannot wait. I really cannot wait. Uh, to Dan's point on uh, extra points, uh, if any of y'all watched Nebraska Illinois and had the <laughs> and had the, a bet on the total, uh, you find extra points extremely important <laughs> right now. Um, that's about all that we need to discuss on special teams. Other than that, Michigan is probably going to do a pro style punt formation that's going to be good at not getting punts blocked and annoying in terms of the fact that like there's going to be acres of space for punt returners that just is not the case when Michigan is returning punts. However, Michigan might also block some punts because they seem to have found a flaw in the whole spread punt thing that for some reason nobody else has figured out. So hopefully that keeps up. And that is our special teams preview because kickers are weird and don't try to predict them. So we're on to the schedule preview. We have split up the schedule between uh, me, Connor, and Dan, and we're going to go through each game and put them in one of five buckets, must win, should win, toss up, lean loss, or probable loss. Dan, we're going to start with you on the opener on September 4th at home against Western Michigan. All right, so um, very excited for this game. Uh, you know, I mean, just I, I, I get I get extremely excited for you know every uh, every you know home opener. It's going to be great to see a full big house again. So you know, just overall good vibes. Just want to start it out that way. Um, but obviously, this is a must win. If this isn't a must win, there's no must wins on the schedule. Um, this is you know obviously the first game of the season. Have to set the tone. You know, st- get a little bit of momentum going. Um, the, the general shape of this Western Michigan team is that they've got a pretty solid uh, passing attack led by Caleb Ellaby, uh, who's put up some pretty pretty darn good numbers at Western Michigan, um, and they've got some capable receivers. Uh, but then, other than that, you know they've they've got a good MAC offensive line and a good a decent MAC defense, but it, it's not the type where it's going to be able to stand up to Michigan's size and athleticism up front. So really the things you should be looking for here, uh, if Michigan isn't winning, you know, pretty comfortably the whole way, um, that's a pretty big red flag. And specifically if Michigan isn't dominating up front, um, that's a pretty big red flag. Um, and then, but overall I wouldn't be too upset, you know, if they get a couple uh, big passing plays over us, you know, I think this is this is a definitely a capable passing attack that might even be a little bit better than some of the big 10 ones we faced this year. So, uh. you know, over, <laughs> overall I, I would say you know we, we watch watch the lines if they're not dominating that's a problem and then watch you know how Caleb Ellaby uh is able to you know what success he's able to have against our secondary because if the secondary you know shuts this team down I would say that that's a legitimate positive step forward given what we saw last year so um to, to summarize must win but not a total tomato can game for the, this western team Dan, I, I'm going to be honest here. I don't think you have to encourage people to watch how the secondary does against any pass. 
sorry. I, well, I, do, I do want to say because I feel like a lot of people did sort of just memory hole last year and they're going to have the expectation that, you know, like Don Brown against these teams, Don Brown's defenses would often just shut them down hilariously to the point where it was like, oh, the quarterback is one for 20, you know, through the first three quarters. It's true. And that is not going to be the case against anyone this year. Like, this is a different defense with a lot more varied, uh, a much more varied schematic approach. We're not going to be going press man all game. We're, we're going to give up a couple bubble screens. There's going to be some short stuff that works. Like, I would just encourage people to not, like, freak out at, like, a first down because the payoff for potentially giving up a couple first downs against Western is, you know, maybe not getting just immediately curb stomped by, like, any good offense. Yeah. I also want to underline something Dan said, which is that this could be a historically bad year for quarterbacking in the Big Ten, and Caleb Ellaby is better than like maybe half or more of the quarterbacks we will face after him. So don't be too worried if he gets some plays in. That's true. It is. It will be important to keep in mind, and the real test uh, will come the next week against Washington on September 11th. I'm sure there won't be a ton of fanfare for that. Um, Connor... You have the Washington breakdown. Um, how did the Huskies look heading into the season? So Washington has done really well with recruiting, uh, you know, this decade. They always put a lot of guys into the draft, and they have a lot of NFL players on both sides of the ball. Once again, I think they're pretty interesting. Like, they have a pretty wide range of outcomes this year, too. Like, there are some people that see them as, like, you know, dark horse Pac-12 contender or, you know, potentially borderline top 10 team or whatever. And some people who see them as less than that, they were not that great last year, but you know, COVID weirdness, whatever. But the main thing to remember is they have some guys, they have really good team speed. They're going to have size and skill in the trenches on both sides of the ball. And it's going to be a game, like even best case scenario, the best case scenario for Michigan is like Michigan pulls out a hard fought real football game here. Um, I will say this, uh, (laughs) one thing Michigan fans are very, very familiar with, far too familiar with, in fact, is having to throw out your game plan at halftime (laughs) because you're playing Michigan State and they're like running a different system on both sides of the ball or your offensive game plan is just terrible. We've seen a lot of that too. And I think the chances of Washington having to do that on offense are actually quite good because they're not going to have any useful film I think pretty much period on Michigan. They'll have the Western Michigan game and they'll have a bunch of Baltimore Ravens games. And that's truly it. Like, I think they're going to be caught off guard. And I also expect Mike McDonald to genuinely show us his, you know, multiple looks. We might play some, we probably will play some of Washington's own patented two, four, five. I think you'll see a lot of nickel to counter their team speed uh, in general. You'll see five, one, five, you'll see five, two, four, you'll see a three, three, four, blah, blah, blah. Um, lots of different numbers at different levels of the defense. And I, I kind of think this is a toss up game because it is, you know, a home night game. The home field advantage matters here, especially with the time zone differences and everything. Um, Michigan could get waxed. That's not out of the question, but I do think that the element of surprise, uh, especially early in the season is going to be tough for Washington. As for body clocks, I feel like I'd, uh, you know, appreciate that advantage a little bit more if it was a (laughs) noon game, honestly, like, um, you know, the big house tends to be a better environment at night, but you know, you like to play those. I thought you were going to say at noon. (laughs) No, no. (laughs) 
<laughs> no, I've been to enough big uh, big house noon games that I can say that it is not a, a very intense environment for those. But yeah, for 9 a.m. Uh, Pacific time, that, that would be nice. But yeah, September, I don't know. Washington and Michigan uh, both come in with a lot of questions. And, you know, this game could wind up not meaning a whole lot at the end of the season. Like, you know, if Michigan loses in week two, there's going to be a lot of negative reactions. But, you know, Washington legitimately could contend for a Pac-10 title. And, you know, Michigan, if they get the upper hand on Washington, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to, you know, rumble on through Big Ten season. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, Toss-up feels right to me. Yeah, I feel like <clears throat> I feel like you know we've seen Michigan lose an early non-con game and, and go on to have a successful season. So I think there's gonna be a lot of overreactions. You know, obviously, including myself. Like I, I will lose my shit, obviously. Um, but uh, I think that you know they could lose this game and still have a successful season. What it really matters is for like overall record. Like if we're looking at the end of the season and saying you know seven and five Harbaugh's gone, eight and four he stays. This could be a pretty critical toss up there. Um, the the other thing I want to say is. These guys are absolutely huge up front on both sides of the line. And I think that's the biggest advantage they're going to have over Michigan is, you know, if Michigan can dominate these guys up front on either side, um, it's, I mean, a a huge good sign. So Uh, I'm sorry if you heard the dogs while uh, we were discussing the Huskies, but uh, that's the nature of uh, recording a podcast with your window open. Um, Northern Illinois is up next. I promise we will spend significantly less time on them because they went 0-6 last year playing an entirely max schedule. Uh, Bill Connolly has put the initial win percentage at, for Michigan at 97. They have had uh, an exodus from that 0-16 over the offseason. And their key transfer is Rocky Lombardi, who left Michigan State's quarterback situation because he was worried he wouldn't start. And we will get to how alarming that particular fact is in a little bit. So that's a must win. Connor, what's the take on Rutgers? Um, well, I, we just skipped over, yeah, that uh, Michigan State should have kept Rocky Lombardi. I guess we'll get to that with Dan. <laughs> Dan reviews that game. No, that was, I, I was trying to let Dan... Well, I, I, I want to say that I, I, <laughs> I do not co-sign the disrespect for Rocky Lombardi. I learned my lesson last year. I just respected Rocky Lombardi so hard all offseason. I, I tweeted about how bad he was at least 100 times, and he owned the shit out of me. He's genuinely my favorite Spartan that's ever existed. He seems really cool. I'm sorry, Rocky, if you're listening to this. I want to be your friend. Um, I, I think I do not think we should we should discount the fact that he could absolutely own me again. I'm, I'm critically scared of it. God, I'm That's, really worried for Dad after beer three. That yeah, was really the, sweet. I, yeah, the Rocky Lombardi subplot for for facing like a bottom of the table Mac team. That's that's some bad karma for Michigan there. Let's be honest. I I totally agree. I will say that like if that game is in doubt in week three, like we're going to be talking about head coaching candidates for the rest of the season. And that's it. Um, but <laughs> so really no losing there. Yeah. So let's go. There's no losing there, yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Rutgers. Sorry. Ace. Uh, yeah. No, we're I, good. <laughs> I, I, okay. We know how the Rutgers game went last year. It was one of the most like epic, you know, sagas in the Harbaugh era, which is not what you want in a Rutgers game. Uh, even though it was a road game, it did involve a heroic comeback led by Cade McNamara, our current starting quarterback. And I, I will go to my grave saying, I know it was Rutgers, but he played really, really well in that game. Um, a lot of Michigan's players didn't. And I expect this to be a win. It's obviously a must win. This is the kind of game that you've got to be winning in the Big Ten if you're Michigan. I don't think it's going to be a total beatdown. Um, 
we'll see what Rutgers is, is by this point in the season and what the Vegas line is. But yeah, I mean, Rutgers has some real football players. I think we have to adjust to that reality. I think that the top of the Big Ten is a little bit down this year. And I think the bottom of the Big Ten, which has historically been Rutgers for several years, uh, is up a little bit from the to- – well, I, actually, I'm sorry. After the Nebraska-Illinois game, I can't say that. The Rutgers, Rutgers themselves are up a little bit. So I don't say complete body bagging, but I think fairly comfortable win, and obviously Michigan has to win. Yeah, we, we will very much get to that Nebraska-Illinois game in a little bit. Two games, in fact. But first, Dan, uh, this is the first one that I'm, I'm kind of dreading a little bit. Uh, Michigan at Wisconsin, October 2nd. Is is that going to go better than recent Wisconsin games? <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm tempted to just write this off as a loss, given it, it just seems so impossible that Michigan would go into Madison and, like, score more points than Wisconsin. It just seems, like, unfathomable. Um, but, you know, I mean, this Wisconsin, I think there's actually a lot of X factors for this Wisconsin team. Um, this is a classic Wisconsin offensive line. They're, they're, I mean, I'm not just saying that. Like, this year, they, they truly are, like, a, a very, very good offensive line. You know, uh, probably one of the elite offensive lines in college football. Um, however, uh, there are question marks pretty much everywhere else on offense. Um, Max Berger is a pretty good running back, but I, I think, you know, not really anything to write home about. I think he's more like a, the beneficiary of, you know, the classic Wisconsin offensive line and, you know, running backs putting up a million yards. Um, and then, you know, Graham Mertz was, was a five-star and, you know, he's their great hope. But I think that uh, he, he was pretty questionable last year. Not very good after the Illinois game. Um, also after and, COVID. So, you know, yeah, that's right. also after COVID. That, that's true. That's true. But, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to uh, I'm not giving many credit. <laughs> also, uh, the rest of their skill position players, I think, are just like not uh, not too inspiring. Um, really kind of uh, a lot of Wisconsin receivers that, you know, they they tend to just not get open very well and really only get open when the offense creates opportunities from them, you know, Um Still have a, a really good tight end. I think is it Jake Ferguson, or am I totally making that up? But whatever. That, I'm that not gonna... is his name. If he's still yes, there. there we go. Look at that. One beer deep, and I remembered Wisconsin's tight end. That's some sicko, sicko Killing shit. It. Um, and uh, and then on defense, I would say you know they've still got their usual like assembly line of linebackers, um, but lost a lot at the uh, secondary level as well as at their um, defensive tackles not they're no they've still got their nose tackle who I'm, I'm not going to attempt to pronounce his name but uh, is very very good Keanu but they're Benton. Keanu Benton there you go um, and then uh, their other two tackles are I think they're replacing so there are key positions on this Wisconsin offense that if they don't just churn out, uh, you know, their normal Wisconsin starters could be more malleable, but I just don't see necessarily how, um, I don't see how I could project a win here. Um, I think this is going to be a, uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to say probable loss because I just, the fact that it's at Wisconsin, Michigan has just not been able to get a big road win under Harbaugh. And I, I know that's kind of like a, uh, a cliche stat, but it feels very, very real, you know, that Harbaugh does uh, struggle on the road. And the fact that, you know, eh, this this Wisconsin offensive line is pointed directly at the weak spot of this defense. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to say probable loss here. That seems relatively fair, given Wisconsin is going to generally function like Wisconsin and Michigan does have those question marks on the defensive line. 
In better news, uh, Nebraska comes to the big, or Michigan goes to Nebraska on October 9th. It doesn't matter where this game is. If you watched on Saturday, Nebraska play Illinois, even though uh, Nebraska really had a bad break early on in that game swing, likely the outcome uh, where they had what looked like an interception return deep into Illinois territory with a chance to go up two touchdowns early. And it was negated by a kind of iffy roughing the passer flag. Uh, and then Illinois goes on to win because uh, Adrian Martinez has followed the Taylor Martinez career path as a Nebraska quarterback. And that is great when you're a freshman and really rough when you're a senior. He was airmailing guys, throwing. To, it, it just looked like he had no confidence in his ability to put the ball where he wanted to. So... Things do not look particularly promising for them on offense. They have never been particularly great on defense of late. And they just lost to Illinois after Illinois had Brandon Peters get knocked out in the first half of that game and replaced by Art Sikowski, the former Rutgers quarterback, who put up some pretty historically bad numbers there and then transferred out because he lost that job. So... Losing to Illinois in Week Zero, probably a pretty awful sign for that team. Uh, Michigan will also be able to give Nebraska everything they have because after that they get a bye week. So that's a that's a must win, honestly. <laughs> after that Illinois game, I was gonna put probable win there because Nebraska at least has some talent. But goodness gracious, if you watched on Saturday, I think you are with me on Nebraska being a must win because it is officially uh, Scott Frost loses his job season. <laughs> yeah, for the uh, neutral fan, this could be a real sickos contest between mm-hmm. Jim Harbaugh and the oh, like, yeah. diet Jim Harbaugh. On the road, you know, it can be kind of tricky. Like, that's, you know, it, I mean, it's been an easy place to win in recent years, but, you know, I mean, you never know. College football Twitter is going to have some fun with that game. And, like, it, if you were... It should, in fairness, be in the probable win or even late relative toss-up category, um, which is where Bill Connolly has it, um, or at least had it entering week zero. Uh, I don't know if it's still Nebraska favored as a 53% uh, win probability. That seems unlikely after losing to Illinois at home. But, you know. Yeah, and, I mean, if they're... I mean, if Michigan's biggest weakness is their pass defense, like Nebraska is not a team that's equipped to exploit that. No, 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 they're not. My last thing, I just want people to stop uh, comparing Jim Harbaugh to to Scott Frost. I feel like, you know, that is as much as I uh, was a loud advocate of firing Jim Harbaugh last year, feels pretty unfair to Jim Harbaugh. Scott Frost has (laughs) to win something like 32 out of his next 33 games to match Harbaugh's record at Michigan. And Jim Harbaugh took over from Brady Hoke and plays in the Big Ten East. So, yeah. Um, Yeah. Don't don't bring that one up if you want us to take you seriously. Yeah. after the bye week, Michigan faces off with Northwestern at home. That is on October 23rd. I have, for some reason, given myself these two games in a row to talk about. Uh, Northwestern, um, I'm just going to start reading you names from their offensive depth chart. Josh Preeb, Peter <laughs> Skoronsky, Charlie Schmidt, Berkeley Holman. No, come on. That Bryce, was made up. Bryce Kurtz. <laughs> Starting running back is named Evan. 
There's a second Charlie, this one Charlie Mangieri, in the starting lineup. I have not left the starters yet. Hunter Johnson, the former Clemson transfer, who, if you've watched him play recently, uh, that evaluation missed, um, is the starting quarterback (laughs) over a pretty heralded South Carolina transfer, Ryan Holinsky. That apparently uh, worked out about as well as Hunter Johnson. He is actually listed below uh, senior Andrew Marty in an or, with an or in in parentheses. That's the only one on the entire offensive depth chart, and they hit Ryan Holinsky with it. How, That's okay, hold on. Rough. That's I, you got to explain this to me. How could they have a transfer who's not playing from South Carolina, which is starting a grad assistant at quarterback this week? Literally, this, did you guys see that? Yes, <laughs> this is what it is like. To be a Northwestern football fan, that offense is cursed. I have more names. Payne Hay-Bear. Dom <laughs> D'Antonio. Yeah, the Payne Hay-Bear I has mean... an apostrophe in there. That's It's a real strong one. Um, <laughs> Conrad Rowley. Wow. Ray Nero III, who uh, Ben <laughs> Gorin has asked me to please point out is not a scholarship player, and he is on the two deep and wide out. Um, I've saved the best for last. 6'5", 215-pound, backup wide receiver, Genson Hooper Price. That is not a law firm. That is an actual human being who plays football for Northwestern and is on there too deep. Can I just say that I don't... Yeah. (laughs) I don't appreciate normal, respectable Italian names being thrown in with the ridiculous (laughs) names. Some of those were just guys I knew in high school, and that's not very nice. <laughs> I, my apologies to the D'Antonios. Uh, I I just okay, like like Charlie Schmidt, you know, so and so the third, and then Genson Hooper Price. Like this is the lineup for like a national championship Princeton team from like nineteen twelve. So it, like, <laughs> like Berkeley Holman. Yeah. Like, they're really going to run the wing tee to perfection, if that's like... I actually wow. skipped over Ethan Wiederkeer, which I feel like I need to throw in there for, like, some West Michigan vibes. Uh, yeah, no, it's just an incredible collection of names. Uh, but, you know, for, like, a glee club and not a, a football team. And that that might be what their offense looks like a lot of the time. It's, it's going to be pretty bleak. bleak. I'm not very... Um, not super high on their defense after they lost a lot of their best players to the NFL. So that was a very good Northwestern defense last year, but they've also lost their coordinator of freaking forever. And while Mike Bajakin was able to turn that offense around last year, despite some pretty crummy quarterback play, it was turning it around from god-awful to merely pretty darn bad. And it might be god-awful again. So... Northwestern, I'm putting as a should win because they somehow find a way to win games with their god-awful offense anyway. But uh, Michigan should definitely beat that team at home. And that, uh, this is the one I'm most excited about, and I hope I hear a can crack before it begins. October 30th, Michigan at Michigan State. The first game we handed out while divvying up games. Dan, take it away. (laughs) Okay, so as you know, um, I was probably the wrongest I've ever been uh, about anything 
uh, when I previewed this game last year on my first ever appearance on the uh, former Ace Pod. Um, and I was pretty confident. And I just want to let you guys know I'm just as confident this year. Um, these these guys stink. Yes. <laughs> this team is trash, okay? I came into this, I thought, you know, I'm, I'm a beer and a half further along in life uh, than when I started this podcast. And uh, I came in thinking I was going to be respectful. Um, but I'm not. <laughs> um, this, this team sucks. Uh, Michigan State um, basically took last year's team, removed their two best defenders, um, and replaced it with a whole bunch of cast-offs from second-rate programs around the country. Um, they're trying to convince you that Quavaris Couch, former five-star, is actually really good when he was a butt at uh, Tennessee. Um, anyway, um, no, in all seriousness, uh, I guess th- this team, I think, should be better than Michigan State was last year. Um, they, they upgraded a lot of their depth talent by bringing in like a thousand transfers. Um, I don't know how many of those transfers are actually going to contribute. Probably three or four of them are, are going to start. Um, they're hoping that their offensive line is finally decent after, you know, like five years uh, by b- replacing their left tackle with, you know, a pretty good um, Sunbelt <laughs> offensive tackle. Um, and they're, they they do have some pretty good skill talent on offense. Jalen Naylor and um, Jaden Reed are, are, t- are a pretty good wide receiver duo, um, probably top half of the Big Ten. And uh, I want to say it's not Kareem Walker. It's 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 a Walker Kenneth Walker the third um, is their running back who is really really good at Wake Forest. So they do have some good skill talent. Um, they're still not sure who their quarterback is. I think they. The coach has decided, but they haven't really told um, the public. It's either Anthony Russo, uh, Doylestown native, um, who it, weird weird connection actually played for my rival high school um, and and played I I played against in high school. Um, he was a coward then, and he's a coward now because he tra- <laughs> <laughs> he, he, trans- he transferred away from uh, CB East to. Uh, Archbishop Wood, um, because he did, he was scared of playing CB West. Um, CB West went. He ducked you, Dan. And Anthony. Oh my god. <laughs> he. Oh, he absolutely ducked. Dude, he absolutely ducked me. He did. Yeah, we went three and zero against CB East, um, and we would have been three and zero with him on the team. I don't give a shit. Um, <laughs> fuck East. Um, and. Uh, <laughs> and. Uh, um, uh, so it's either him or Peyton Thorne. Um, and, uh, Who is defense, not Doug Zan's high school. <laughs> yeah. If Peyton, Peyton Thorne, Thorne didn't can like, play escape for... the vampire romance yeah. story that he's the lead in. Like... <laughs> uh, yeah, Peyton Thorne, um, who was uh, pretty decent last year, and like, but also couldn't beat out uh, Rocky Lombardi, which I think is a pretty, red fl- pretty big red flag. On defense, this is probably going to be a similar defensive front um, in terms of like you know the classic D'Antonio, like really strong defensive tackles, really um, kind of just annoying defensive ends. And uh, the big question is the linebacker level: Can Quavaris Couch, Quavaris Crouch from Tennessee, be um, you know the athlete that he was he was hyped up to be out of high school? And then you know like I think they're going to have like three transfers playing in the secondary, so you know that could be anything. Um, so uh, the long and short of it is that um, I'm I'm gonna say I'm gonna say this is a should win. I just think it's you know Harbaugh has shown the ability to win at Michigan State. 
Um, I would say that it's a must win, honestly, given the talent of this team and, and how yeah. how bad I think they're going to be. But I'm, I mean, like, you know, this is the only team, this is the only bad team that Harbaugh has been unable to consistently beat in his time here. And I think there's something to be said for the fact that, like, yeah, they're going to get up for, like, Mel Tucker knows, I think Mel Tucker's done a pretty good job thus far. And he knows that this is the game that he has to throw it all in if they're going to have, like, if they're going to go six and six, he needs to win this game, you know. So I think that um, I think that it's 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 a should win, and uh, I I hope you know that they take it a lot more seriously this year than you know they seemed to last year. So yeah, I, I will I, say like go ahead, Bay. Sorry, sorry. I, I just I'm I'm pretty shocked to hear Mel Tucker praise from Ted. Yeah. <laughs> my my eyes bugged out when that happened. <laughs> I, look, I'm being objective. I think I think he's he's he did what he had to do. They came into a really awful roster, and he said, "All right, I'm going to turn over half of it." And look, it might not work long term, but I mean, that's what we would want to do if we were Michigan State. You know, I mean, I think I think if it, if we if the situation was reversed, we'd probably be pretty happy with him so far. Yeah, yeah I mean, the timing of you know his hire and then COVID mm-hmm. and just where the roster was when D'Antonio left, like. It's been an uphill battle and one and zero against Michigan. Even a bad Michigan team is the best, you know, you could realistically ask for from him at this point. Yeah, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't note that like I've seen a lot of Spartan fans trying to like claim that Ben Van Sumeren is going to somehow contribute. Michigan transfer Ben Van Sumeren. That's a really bad sign for them because he sucks. Like if if they're actually talking about him playing, that's a really like that's yeah. Tell us how you really feel, Connor. <laughs> he was terrible. Like, he looked like he didn't belong. They played in both sides of the ball at Michigan, and he looked like he didn't belong at that level in both cases. No mercy for that guy. Yeah, I mean, they clearly took his transfer so they could get his younger brother committed, and it worked. So, you know, props on for that. But don't play the guy, for God's sake. Um, but, I mean, I guess if your roster is thin, that'll, that'll happen. Uh, that was tremendously cogent analysis from Dan, who I just want to point out, put in parentheses, uh, I'm going to lose it in the show notes. And that was the only <laughs> thing next to Michigan State. Uh, we move on. Uh, Michigan. Plays. By the way, this is my birthday weekend again this year. This game is my birthday weekend for a second year in a row. I'm, <laughs> oh, my I will, God. I don't know what I'm going to do. if <laughs> I'm, I'm going to hold back from, from making any specific threats on this podcast. But <laughs> Jim you. Harbaugh, you better not ruin my life. <laughs> we we are we are already barely hanging on to sponsorships given the entire conceit of this podcast and uh we thank Dan for, you know, showing a marginal amount of restraint. Um <laughs> November sixth, Michigan hosts Indiana. Um we're going to be nice considering the sponsorships that are perilously hanging in the balance that I just mentioned. Also, Indiana might be genuinely good. Connor, uh you've got the details on them. All right, I'm going to join Dan here, uh, getting late to the game. But, okay, so here's the unfortunate thing about Indiana. And I think a few podcasts ago, we all kind of predicted a regression for them. And I think that, like, relative to last year when they were in the mix for the Big Ten title, I think they probably will be a little bit worse. But, like, the really terrible news I have for everyone is that Hoonisher has got some guys. There are some guys on this team. Uh, Michael Penix... uh, Ty Freifogel and Taiwan Mullen are some of the premier guys in the entire conference, sad to say, uh, among the best at their respective positions, Mullen especially. Indiana's secondary is pretty clearly the best in the Big Ten, which is like, 
again, Michigan, you probably could have had any of those guys if you had, like, asked. Um, also, Jesus, that's just a terrifying, like, fact. In yeah, general. I mean, that's, like... Think, and, of, and think has... of Indiana's secondary reputation for yeah, years I past. Mean, but it's weird, like, they, you know, I, like, Alex Drain and MGO Blog did a great job scouting them, and, like, he concluded they were clearly the best secondary, and I have to agree, based on track record, like, they have two shutdown corners and good safeties, and they got the whole shebang. So they, you know, they're Indiana. They have some holes. Like, this is not like, you know, they're never going to be like Ohio State or something. But, like, there's some guys here. And also, I want to say there are very few teams in the country that have done a better job um, going out and getting transfers than them. I mean, if you look at the transfers they got this year, it's guys from places like Florida State, Auburn, uh, Ole Miss, you know, former five-star running back from USC. And it's like, yeah, maybe those guys weren't and having Michigan. great careers. And Michigan, yeah, they stole one of our likely starters, which is kind of amazing for historic bottom feeder in the conference, honestly. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, I, here's the thing. I think this is a toss-up because it's at home. Uh, Michigan has protected their house pretty well under Harbaugh against everyone who's not Michigan State and Ohio State, which, <laughs> again, that's a problem. But, like, I, you know, I would almost lean loss if it weren't a home game. Indiana does have flaws. I don't know. I mean, we don't know what those teams will look like by that point in the season. But uh, I actually, my hot take is I'm actually more worried about this game than I am about the Penn State game. I think Indiana's pretty good, but I think it's still a toss-up because home game. I don't think that's a super hot take. And I, I, I also just want to note that the Zach Carpenter transfer was actually just the completion of the Mike Hart deal. So that's how we're going to win. That's that. true. Um, anyone else? Since I, I keep cutting people off and before we... Uh, get all our thoughts out. Anybody else who takes an Indiana before we move on to the next game? Yeah, part of me kind of wonders if they're going to regress a little bit to the mean after last year where they kind of exceeded expectations. You know, they finally beat Penn State. They finally beat Michigan. But, yeah, to Connor's point, um, one of the more talented teams in the Big Ten, I would say. I think that's fair to say. Um, I think they've outperformed their recruiting rankings for sure. And, yeah, Tom Island seems to have built what can reasonably be called a winning culture um, at a program like Indiana. So I think there'll be a tough out for Michigan even at home. Please don't fire us, Connor. Home field, Connor, um, in this case. Um, we move on now uh, to Michigan at Penn State on November 13th. Um, the, the, the kind of battle of the two most disappointing programs in the Big Ten last year. Uh, Dan, we've given you this one too. <laughs> Um, so for those of you that uh, didn't follow me back when I had like 100 followers on Twitter, um, Penn State's really, I, I, I am now obsessed with Michigan State, but Penn State was really kind of my first love um, because I am a Pennsylvania native and uh, I th that fan base is, you know, just as toxic, if not way more toxic than Michigan State. So the first team I was ever obsessed with reading their message boards was Penn State. Um, you know, so, I gotta say that it's very heartening to see an out-of-stater come to Michigan and come to appreciate the Michigan versus <laughs> Michigan State rivalry like the rest of us, because seeing that hate grow in you has been a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing. I genuinely thought that was going to be a super sarcastic remark at the beginning, and then it turned into an actual <laughs> genuine statement. So, uh, shout out to Alex. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. I've just got a lot of anger, you know. I've never really resolved it, um, but you know. Anyway, <laughs> <You're> um, silly, <laughs> man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm angry at the world. Um, anyway, uh, no. So Penn State, I would say that you know this is a pretty uh, classic Penn State 
under James Franklin team. Um, I think the biggest the biggest difference between good uh, Franklin teams and bad ones is quarterback play. If they have like a passable quarterback, like in 2016 and 2017, um, uh, that's that's disrespectful to uh, Trace McSorley. He was good, not passable. But regardless, um, if they have good quarterback play, they are very good. Um, But if they don't, it kind of all falls apart. Uh, This team has all the talent of a normal Penn State team. Um, They uh, have the normal amount of talent on defense. You know, I would say that they, they, the one thing they do differently than Michigan is they probably recruit at the same level, but they get more top end guys um, and they let them play right away. So they really just put their athletes out there. Um, So it's a normal, talented Penn State defense, uh, kind of buoyed by a a pretty impressive transfer class. Um, They brought in a lot of uh, potentially high-impact transfers. Um, And uh, it's a a pretty classic Penn State offense in terms of, you know, they've got a couple of receivers that you can't really play uh, one-on-one with a safety, um, a couple of really good athletes to go downfield and win jump balls, and uh, a classic, you know, incredible stable of running backs um with you know their signature uh somehow still very bad offensive line which they (laughs) always have um and then you know the the big question mark here is you know can sean clifford be um you know good enough to uh challenge ohio state for the big 10 you know i mean i think this is a year that they could. He cannot. He you know, cannot do that. Yeah. Can we can we answer that question right now? Because all right. No. Yeah. The answer is no. Yes. Okay. Fine. You know what? That's fine. I was I was trying to build. A, I was I was trying to build up to something. I'm but sorry, you guys. Man. Ruined it. Sucks. <laughs> we couldn't, uh, we couldn't was, wait that long. There was a payoff to the joke, but you know, you're well. You guys hit the punchline before me. Yeah. No, he can't. Sorry. Um, he can't. Sean Clifford. Clifford the big red frog fraud. Um, he sucks. Um, and, there uh, it was. Sorry. We <laughs> really ruined it <laughs> and uh yeah no i think i think the i think that basically this will look a lot like the 2019 penn state team in that it's just like yeah it's like there's talent everywhere and clifford hits his passes every once in a while but he's not good enough for them to consistently like really compete um but all that said you know this is at happy valley this is probably gonna be their whiteout. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's probably going to be a night game. I don't, I don't know what, I haven't looked at Penn State's schedule yet. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to say, I'm going to say lean loss because I don't think it's as, I'm more confident in this game than the Wisconsin game because I feel like Michigan is always able to hang in there with Penn State, even when they're worse because, um, Penn State's offensive line usually can't hold up to, you know, uh, Michigan's, uh, athletes up front. So I'm going to say lean loss, but I, I, I would be a homer if I said, you know, if I said it was a toss up. So. All right. Um, anyone else want to unload on James Franklin or anything before? We, I uh, just want to like throw out there kind of what I said earlier, which is like, I see this as a little bit more of a toss up because like, okay, the national media keeps gaslighting me about Penn State. They ignore <laughs> all of their flaws. They buy the hype of them like getting a shiny new offensive coordinator constantly. They don't talk about their offensive line. They don't talk about how they don't have quarterbacks. And it reminds me of how Michigan was covered a few years ago when everyone was waiting for Michigan to be the breakout darling. And now people have soured on Michigan and they cover a very similar program in a lot of ways. Like, you know, like they're on the verge of winning the Big Ten. So I actually like Michigan's chances okay if the season is going decently at this point. Though I agree being on the road at night is going to be tough. Yeah, I don't really think that they deserve the top 15 hype. I I think that's a name thing for me. Um, 
But yeah, I'm going to go with lean loss on this. Yeah, I, I, I do feel pretty confident that Michigan will have a better quarterback than Penn State by November 13th. Uh, I'm just not sure there will be a more complete team. Which, uh, speaking of, if we're, if we're going to talk about incomplete teams, uh, I get to take Michigan at Maryland on November 20th, which, uh, as I have thought about this over the course of this podcast, have changed from leading win to a toss-up. Because Maryland is a team that really... Uh, even last year, and they bring back uh, most of the, pretty much all the key pieces of their passing offense. Uh, was a super explosive team. They were uh, fifth in the entire, or first, sorry, first in the entire country in uh, marginal explosiveness. Uh, one of uh, um, Bill Connolly's favorite stats. They were only seventy second in su- success rate. This was a team that uh, either just like put up a massive performance on you or didn't do anything. But they have Talia Tonga-Vailoa at quarterback, who is capable of throwing the ball deep. We know that. Um, They have uh, Rakeem Jarrett, a five-star who LSU thought they had, like, in the bag um, as coming up and ready to be a, like, breakout sophomore this year. Also, Dante Dimas, a a really dangerous, uh, large deep threat and I think about Michigan secondary and I you know start to get pretty worried about that situation and meanwhile the kind of question marks for Maryland are can they turn around what was a a genuinely terrible run defense last year Um, but will Michigan be able to run enough to keep up with what might be like them getting passed all over I don't know and Will Maryland be able to hold up up front uh, on offense? And we're at kind of asking the same question about Michigan's defensive line. So, yeah, I, I, I mean, I think there's a chance that Michigan can blow Maryland out. Uh, I don't necessarily see Maryland blowing Michigan out necessarily, but it could be a game that starts to get away from Michigan as it goes on because they just start giving up bomb after bomb. So, uh, yeah, that's my uh, unfortunately sober well, sort of take on Michigan versus Maryland. <laughs> I feel like I feel like this could be a very like Illinois um, 2010? 2010. Illinois twenty ten type game um, where it's like sort of later in the season and like the offenses just go back and forth um, scoring on each other. You just gave so many people hives by saying that. <laughs> you are too young to know what you just did to some people by bringing up Michigan-Illinois 2010 so casually. I, I thought that was fun. I mean, I, I think Michigan probably wins this one because I think that they are. I'm like more optimistic about them this year. But I will say that the week before the Ohio State game always gets weird in some way. So... It is not the ideal place on the uh, schedule for that game. Uh, I, I would agree with you there. I would say this is the only – real quick, I would say this is the only one I've really disagreed with so far from any of you. Um, I think this is at least a, a, a lean win. I mean, I, I still do think there are massive talent deficits at Maryland, and Mike Sloxley has like a – I think someone said he had like a 5 and like 50 record or something as a head coach. Um, so – I don't know, but I, I respect you being um, apparently less of a homer than, than than I am. So, would it would it surprise if I told you that Bill Connolly heading into the season has this almost exactly as a coin flip? 
Uh, you know, Bill, Bill Connolly is a hack in my opinion. So, <laughs> what does that guy oh, know? That's a book <laughs> look right there. Oh, numbers and spreadsheets, nerd. Shut up. <laughs> you really have been reading a lot of RCMP, Dan. Yes. <laughs> um, boy. Uh, so we already kind of gave it away, but I mean, y'all know what's next on the schedule. It is the game. Michigan hosts Ohio State. On November 27th, we have not assigned this to anybody. We just uh, have a collective sigh written here uh, before we... Thank you. I don't don't know, Ace. Like, I'm looking at Michigan's official schedule. I don't see any games after Maryland. I don't know what you're talking about, man. Okay, that is an attitude I can start to get behind here. (laughs) I mean, we're talking about a team that, like, their biggest question mark was quarterback, probably. And... A, a player who has been written about as arguably the best quarterback prospect of his generation moved up a year to enroll early. Like, just, just fuck, man. <laughs> like, yeah, but he has funny hair, so whatever. Screw him. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, uh, that's Quinn Ewers. He is not starting because uh, C.J. Stroud, another former uh, five-star, I believe, is. So... Uh, Cool. Uh, CJ Stroud's only like a 4.4 star. Okay, let's get Oh, right, right. Okay, yeah. So, like, in the JJ McCarthy range, you mean? <laughs> yeah. I mean, here's, uh, I'll just give my hypothesis here, which is like, I obviously think Michigan's going to lose this game. Any sane analysis would suggest that they will. But I will say this I kind of think the whole top end of the Big Ten, which over the last several years has been Michigan, Penn State. Um, Ohio State and Wisconsin, I think all those teams are worse than they were like in 2019 to some degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the problem is like, yeah, they've all gotten worse kind of like, you know. Michigan it, inclusive. Michigan very much included. <laughs> and I think Ohio State might take a step back this year. I just sadly don't think it'll be against Michigan. I um, am going to try to muster all the liquid courage I can right now and put out a, uh, I, I'm sick of doing the bear case. I'm going to do the bull case. Um I think that if Michigan is going to win this game, uh, it's because, you know, Ohio State has an unbelievable string of quarterback play um, from uh, Haskins to uh, Justin Fields. And maybe this guy just isn't quite, you know, uh, what's his name again? (laughs) I'm, I'm totally drawing a blank. But, um, you know, maybe this this guy just isn't quite up to the task of, you know, just uh, the insane level of quarterback play that we've seen over the past couple of years. Um, C.J. defense, C.J. Stroud, sorry. Um, <laughs> C.J. Stroud, whatever, who cares? Um, <laughs> Michigan's going to lose the game case. anyway. <laughs> but uh, the point is, and, and I, I do think this, this defense uh, started to take, you know, legitimate steps back over the past couple of years after losing some after losing uh chase young um and also losing uh their uh, defensive coordinator who went to boston college to be the head coach not Jeff not gonna remember his name certainly at this point I, i'm um, surprised i'm remembering all these i'll be honest <laughs> <laughs> and uh you know i i do think like look i do i think michigan's gonna win this year no obviously this is not a very good michigan team but I do think, you know, that there are some cracks in the armor that, you know, have been exposed over the past couple of years. And I think that if Michigan were able to put together a great team over the next couple of years, you know, this this is not the impregnable fortress that it once was. 
Um, the talent level keeps getting better. I won't deny that. They're recruiting better than they ever have. But this team gets ex- Ohio State has gotten exposed at least once every year since 2014. And there's no reason that Michigan can't put together an LSU-like season and be one of those teams that exposes Ohio State. And, uh, you know, I mean, as the saying goes, you know, they we only have to get lucky once. They have to be lucky every time. <laughs> so, I, a famous football saying, yeah. yeah. Famous football saying. Ugh, All yeah, we Michigan's have to do is be lucky by once. Four touchdowns. Yeah. Yeah. Michigan's going to lose by four touchdowns. I, I thought you were going to go with Cade McNamara's uh, famous saying, but you know, <laughs> I think we're what saving we, that for the end of no, the podcast. No, I'm saving that, yeah. I, I would say, like, I, I actually do. So what Dan's saying, and again, I don't think Michigan's going to do it this year. But Ohio State, like, like here's the thing, right? Like, Day Almost is not. Almost lost Brady Hope. Yeah, Day is they not did as lose to Brady Hope. That's true. That's true. Day is like not. I mean, there there is a little bit of rot is not quite the right word, but like Kerry Combs is kind of a shitty coach. He's a great recruiter for whatever reason, and their defense, like Alex Drain was ranking their position groups, their defense does not look anywhere near as good as it was like two years ago. Um, the one problem is they have like Larry Johnson, maybe the best defensive line coach in the country, was just like a ton of five stars. So like, their line will be good, but you know they don't have the Chase Young types. Their secondary doesn't project to be. That's special. Their linebackers has been a problem for them a ton. Like more often than not, their linebackers. Are oh, oh we watched some some NFL combine film. Yeah, sure like Josh Borland, <laughs> and, and their linebackers this year don't seem like they're going to be that amazing either. And again, like you know, they'll have guys emerge because they have so much talent. But like again, if Mich- if I believe that Michigan's offense could light people up, I'd be like, all right, well maybe Michigan can just like get into a shootout with these guys. I don't think Michigan's quite there yet, even though I like Michigan's offensive talent. But I do think it's important to keep reiterating what Dan said, which is like, Ohio State's not invincible. They're just very good. You can catch them on a bad day, and if you have a good enough offense, which Michigan should be trying to build, you could probably score a lot of points on them. We we should point out, I mean, it's like, it is remarkable, even given how bad Michigan has been and how good Ohio State has been. That it hasn't gone Michigan's way once since 2011. Uh, that is a pretty tremendous streak of bad luck. And uh, also uh, a tremendous streak of bad football. That, I mean, we've watched that these have not been a fluke. But football is a fluky game. You you might remember the Penn State victory over Ohio State where it was pretty much entirely determined on, like, two special teams plays. Uh Maybe one of those happens. Let's let's go with that. Um, so to run down, I, I, we haven't actually read it down, but Ohio State is a probable loss. I think, I think it's safe to say we're all going with that, right? Um, and uh, that leaves us at uh, four must-wins, uh, Western, Northern Illinois, Rutgers, and Nebraska. That's rough that Rutgers and Nebraska are the two teams right night next to each other. Goodness gracious. Um, two should wins, Northwestern and Michigan State, uh, who are playing each other. Goodness gracious, this is just rough all the way through. A, uh, the three toss-ups are Washington, Indiana, and Maryland. Uh, lean loss for Penn State, and two probable losses, Wisconsin, and, of course, the Buckeyes. Uh, before we get into our personal predictions and general vibes about the season and so on, and also our picks for week one. 
I am not going to do our normal harassing of home field Connor in our home field ad read because we have already flirted with disaster enough. Use promo code bucket problem for 15% off your first order from homefieldapparel.com. North Carolina is this week's big new Saturday school. Uh, I mentioned on Twitter that like the first piece of non-Michigan gear I ever owned in my life was a fitted UNC hat uh, with the little footprint logo on the back where the strap would normally be. Uh, and I wore that dang thing until it completely fell apart. It was a very beloved piece uh, of clothing for me for a long time. Uh, there, That powder blue is just an extremely cool look, uh, especially for, I mean, when I was growing up, it was like Vince, the Vince Carter and Antoine Jameson teams uh, uh, playing basketball or like Rasheed Wallace. So I grew up loving UNC. Um you know, have some more mixed feelings about that school now, but I will definitely be copying some of the Carolina gear. So one more time, that is promo code Bucket Problem for 15% off your first order from homefieldapparel.com. If you want to use it this Saturday on some UNC stuff, I will be joining you. Yeah, All I right. mean, I'll say that UNC's had a couple of good basketball players. I'll give them that. <laughs> yeah, so the uh, some Connors bigger fans of home field or bigger fans of North Carolina than others. Um, apologies. I just want to say it's that lighter shade of blue that really gets me. You know what I'm saying? Like a mm-hmm. darker blue that would be just look like shit. Um, but that like lighter shade, like yeah, no, that's that's where it's at. I mean, I'm especially if it was some sort the... of like you know, like Michigan, Michigan State scenario where there was a rival very nearby. You know, that just be... I'm maintaining good vibes. Brutal. That's all. I'm... <laughs> Connor shut off his audio before he finished that sentence. I just want to point that out because uh, he's maintaining good vibes. Um, and that's what we're going to try to do as we move into this next segment. Um, we just have written down, uh, maybe we're messed up enough to feel good about this. Um, I wrote that down, and I may have just self-edited it a little bit. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, I think we're going to save Dan for last year because I, I want to let him get as much. Yeah, I got to finish my beer, dude. Come as on. Possible. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Alex, I mean, you've been listening to us talk about this the whole time. Uh, yeah, yeah, I've read I've read a lot of DMs between you guys. You know, I've chimed <laughs> in with my own thoughts here and there. Um, I'm exactly two beers deep. So, uh, quite Perfect. a party here tonight. Um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like a lot of things point to a bad season. You know, you look at the turnover, um, you know, in personnel, uh, you know, the coaching turnover, you know, trying to implement a new scheme on defense. And then 2020 really was just a horrible season on so many levels for Michigan. And I think you can throw that out to some degree with, um, you know, you got, you have the COVID year and everything. And I think, you know, there's not a lot that translates from those circumstances to this year necessarily. Um, but Harbaugh was kind of like openly flirting with leaving the job. They signed him to a lame duck extension. Um, I would say the vibes are pretty poor. I do think that the schedule sets up kind of nicely and that, you know, some of the toughest games are in November towards the end of the season. So um, if Michigan does manage to beat Washington in week two, that they could build some real momentum and, you know, possibly get a little bit of national hype heading into October. Um, but I could also see a scenario where, you know, it's a six or six and six or five and seven type year. Um, 
so yeah, you know, I'm I'm excited to go back to the big house. It's gonna be nice to have a real season, but there's just too many holes. And while Michigan has recruited well and you know has had you know pretty decent players, I don't think there's anything that really points to this being a, a particularly exceptional team for me. The good news is that you're uh, hype hitting into October and like six and six or seven and five outcomes are totally not mutually exclusive. Uh, we've been here before. Um, yeah. I mean, you're looking at the stretch of like at state Indiana at Penn state at Maryland and then Ohio state, like that could be a one and four finish to the season. If things go sideways, um, hopefully they don't, maybe they won't. I think you could definitely make a case that, you know, if some things break the right way, it could be a nine and three type team, but yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm personally hovering at seven and five. Um, and I've pretty much thought that this whole off season, like I have been trying to talk myself into the team a little bit, but I think I, d I don't see the defense being, you know, exceptionally good. And I think Harbaugh's offenses have always been kind of mediocre since he's been at Michigan, frankly. So um, between those things, yeah. I don't know. Vibes are like moderate minus, I guess. I I want to get my my pick out of the way here because I, I I think the contrast between Connor and Dan is is best put right next to each other. <laughs> uh, I'm kind of I'm both like deeply pessimistic and somewhat optimistic about the upside. Like deeply pessimistic about the team, very up optimistic about the upside, and also deeply pessimistic about just like the general arc of the universe regarding Michigan football. So I am predicting an eight and four season that guarantees that Jim Harbaugh returns, um, <laughs> and uh, it's going to be tough to talk me off of that at this point. Uh, I just think there are enough like pretty winnable games. Like I head into the season worrying about about Nebraska. I am not worried about Nebraska anymore. Um, the quarterback situations at Northwestern and Michigan State uh, do not worry me regarding Michigan secondary uh, now that I have at least a little bit of confidence that Michigan secondary is not going to look completely lost out there. I think they will be at least somewhat competent, and that will be a massive step up from where they were last year. And if, uh, if they can win one or two of the toss-ups, uh, that, that – gets you to eight wins especially if they manage to pull if they manage to pull an upset i mean that's that's not the wildest thing to imagine in the world but uh when you kind of come out to the median outcome there uh i think i think an eight and four season seems pretty likely i also think it's going to end with kind of feeling like michigan is not anywhere close to where they need to be but um they might hold it together enough probably that I'm, I'm fearing they will hold it together enough that the administration is going to just bring Jim Harbaugh back. Um, because as I may have mentioned before, I'm very much on the uh, let's get this year over with and uh, hire Matt Campbell train. So to hopefully bring in a little bit more uh, sunshine than that, uh, Connor, what are your vibes for this season? So, I mean, you know, honestly, my vibes are a little bit better than yours, but not, a ton better. I mean, part of it is that I see I see Michigan's schedule a bit Ooh. differently than you guys. <laughs> I mean, I think the Big Ten, the Big Ten, I think that Illinois-Nebraska game, which we knew was going to be a pretty bottom feeder game, but like there were some pretty bad vibes for that coming out of that game for like the overall quality 
of the conference. And I think one of the things that Michigan has going for them is this might just be a very soft conference this year uh, in a lot of ways. But here's the thing, right? I think that if we believed in Michigan's offensive coaching staff, they've assembled a really good group of guys. Like, like the recruiting overall has been good and a little bit down from like what we could reasonably hope for. Like we'd love to see them in the top 10 every year in their classes. But the offensive recruiting has been essentially as good as you could reasonably hope for. Um, and they've got they've gotten the guys they've wanted all over the field on offense for the last few years. Um, we just need to see results. Defense is a different story. And that's one reason that I'm not like getting super optimistic here because defense is simply too thin. Even though I like Mike McDonald and I like a lot of the individual players, they don't have enough guys. And that's something that I could rant about. And I will rant about the first time they lose. Um, but... Okay, offense, in all seriousness, I think Seth nailed it today. If the coaches get out of their own way and just run a reasonable system that is coherent, the run game complements the passing game and vice versa, they put guys in positions to succeed, which we've seen flashes of with Gaddis, like in the latter part of 2019 season especially. Um, if they have, you know, reads that like actually involve the quarterback making reads and maybe even the right read occasionally that that's also important but like i think the ingredients <laughs> people can laugh it's true but like the ingredients <laughs> are there I, for this to be a pretty damn good offense not like an elite you know record setting one of the best in the country offenses but a very good offense um the fact that we are so hesitant to say that it will be suggests where we have been and and you're totally justified in saying you don't expect it to go there I think the vibes, though, on offense are pretty good. And I think if we get past, if the coaching just coheres and gets out of its own way, I think people could be quite surprised, honestly. I mean, I'll go back to what Stephen Godfrey said about Michigan. As soon as Michigan has a decent quarterback, you're going to see a world of difference. That was his take. And I think that one of these guys, Kate or JJ, could be that guy. Um, again, I'm leaving defense out of this because like, we, I've been over it ad nauseum and it's just going to be a wild ride, good or bad, good and bad probably this year. Um, yeah, I think Michigan can go 9-3. and three. My own, I, I almost lean more towards 8-4 and four just because I see things, I see it kind of being an up and down season with such a wide range of outcomes. But I'll go, I'll go towards 9-3 and three simply because I think that the Big Ten is, is going to be having a soft year. And that Michigan will be one of the teams on the rebound within that softness, not one of the declining teams. I mean, it would be hard for them to decline from last year, obviously. <laughs> but, you know, uh, last point I want to make, and I think this is really important. I think Michigan fans don't fully grasp this. So I looked it up uh, over the last five years. So 2017 draft to the 2021 draft, which spans every year of the Harbaugh era thus far, except for his first year. Michigan is number four among all programs in all of college football in guys that have gotten drafted. Okay, number four, the only teams ahead of them, Ohio State, LSU, Alabama. Michigan's had more guys drafted the last five years than Georgia, Clemson, Florida, USC, Notre Dame, any of those teams, which I know may sound kind of staggering. Um, one, one comeback to that would be like how high are the draft picks? Another would be that like last year they got both a, a long snapper and a fullback drafted. Does that really count? I hear all that, but like Michigan's had guys. They have had a lot of guys drafted who are lower ranked too. So which is more likely, that Michigan is like actually the talent has just fallen off a cliff and they're not any good, or that once again they're going to have like seven or eight guys drafted um, and that the, the task is to make those guys be the best they could be and then you can win some damn football games. I think that this is all about whether we can make a program that has had a ton of NFL players come through that has the guys to get it done 
can the coaches make those guys do what they're capable of? And I'm trying to be hopeful. And I do think Jim Harbaugh will be back next year. Um, I think it's tough to project that not happening. So buckle up for that. But nine and three is my pick, and I'm excited for the offense. Yeah, nine and three is, <clears throat> I would say, safely in the Harbaugh returns range. And now, oh boy. Um, Dan, do your thing. All right. <laughs> Listen. It, so for the better part of 10 years now, um, I look forward to college football season all year. Um, as soon as the last game's over, there's maybe a week of, uh, of down period. Uh, but then after that, I'm pretty much just reading previews and just consuming every bit of content I possibly can uh, for the next upcoming year of college football. Um, I don't know what sickness in my brain makes me want to do that or, you know, makes me look so forward to that, but I do. And uh, I'm genuinely so excited to watch whatever Michigan team ends up, you know, <laughs> coming out of the field on Saturday. And, um, you know, for the last 10 years, uh, hope has truly sprung eternal. You know, there's no reason that I would expect Michigan to, you know, truly have a, a to you know, to 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 do what we all want them to do and beat Ohio State and win the Big Ten and you know maybe compete for a national title, but I've always you know hoped that they could, um, and I've maintained that hope in every preseason. Um, and last year was really the first preseason that it felt like uh, you know hope didn't spring eternal because we didn't even know there were, if there would be a season. And um, by the time you know the season was announced, it was. We were just all so happy that they were playing football that we didn't actually think too hard about whether the team would be good. And, and then uh, a bunch of dudes opted out. <laughs> and, and then a bunch of dudes opted out, and and it just became the the debacle that it was, and it, and it disappointed greater than you know I could have ever imagined. Um, but you know, I, I guess I'm here to say that hope still does spring eternal. You know, I mean, my my sister is a freshman at Michigan this year, um, and uh, you know, it just. I've, I've been think, reflecting more and more back on, you know, my experience at Michigan. Um, and I don't know, man, like they might suck this year. It might be greatly disappointing. It might, it might be, you know, one of the worst Michigan football teams uh, that we've seen. I, I don't necessarily think it will be, but it could be. And it doesn't matter because there will be next year. There, you know, life doesn't end with Jim Harbaugh. There'll, there will be a next, next coach. Um, there's going to be, you know, th there's a brighter tomorrow, whether or not, you know, uh, Michigan ever returns to its glory days of, you know, winning a big time title every year. Who knows? But that doesn't mean you won't get to look forward to next season, you know? And um, so, with all that said, uh, eight and four, um, <laughs> <laughs> I think. <laughs> Uh, I think it really that, uh, does not matter. <laughs> it does, nothing matters. It doesn't matter. To, I mean, like, but look, if you're listening to this podcast, okay, statistically speaking, there's something wrong with your brain um, <laughs> that that forces you to be <laughs> that, that, that gets you excited every time the winged helmet goes out on that field, okay? And there's, I know because that same thing is wrong with my brain. Something back in 2012, something triggered in or 2011, 
For some reason, I was watching uh, a game against Western Michigan. Literally, the Thunder game against Western Michigan. Uh, Denard's oh, Lord, uh, junior this, year. I was. That I was the first this game. game. That was my first game in <laughs> college fir- as a college student. Jesus Christ. Right. That, that was the first game that I ever watched uh, wire to wire. I was a Michigan fan before that, but that was the first game. And for some reason, something <sighs> triggered in my, in my brain that day that said, you're going to be obsessed with this for the rest of your life. And that's held true. And uh, <laughs> the thing is, whether they suck or not, whether they ever return to, you know, the, uh, the glory days or not, the winged helmets are going to come back out on that field next year and the year after that and the year after that. Until uh, in, until the Midwest is finally subsumed by climate change and uh, <laughs> and, and and we all the last reason to go, man. Don't and, we, and, and we all die in the climate apocalypse. But God damn it, dude, just enjoy it because last year we almost didn't have football, and this year we do. And so you know it's eight and four, and 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 just enjoy those eight and 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 live with those four and. Uh, <laughs> Go fucking blue, man. Come on now. Yeah. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> there it is. Uh, that was, All that right, was beautiful, uh, Dan. Honestly, that brought yeah. a tear to my eye. I, uh, <laughs> I mean, I didn't feel ready for football season heading into this, and now I feel like, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm emotionally ready for Michigan to take the field now. And there will be some real emotion watching Michigan take the field, especially in front of uh, uh an actual crowd. Um, all right. That ended on a better vibe than I expected. Uh, before we go out, we're going to make our week one picks uh, just for the games that involve two Big Ten teams playing against each other because uh, we've gone long enough. And uh, also for uh, the Michigan game. Um, and as we did last week, we will be making our picks uh, against the spread and the total. Uh, might throw in a mention of the money line if uh, we are so inclined, uh, these lines are from Tuesday afternoon as they were listed on points bet. Uh, so don't hold us to these if they move as they often do. Um, and we're also going to mention whether we think, uh, you know, this would be a game that we uh, hypothetically bet on or uh, maybe uh, not hypothetically bet on. Um or uh, if we would stay away from it. Uh, we start uh, with a Thursday night game. Ohio State is favored by 14 points at Minnesota. The total for this one is 63 and a half. Dan, I'll throw it to you first. Uh, this feels like... Um, look, we all saw Minnesota against Michigan last year. Minnesota's defense did not get much better, and I don't think they added too much in in the portal or by recruiting. I don't see any reason why Ohio State won't score like 85 points on this team. Um, So, yeah, I'd go Ohio State minus 14, and I'd probably just go with the over because I could see Ohio State scoring like, you know, 45 and Minnesota scoring like, uh, 21 or something like that. Um, so yeah, uh, I would say the bigger bet though, I would say like maybe my lock of the week, uh, take Ohio state minus 14. Um, that just feels, it feels too easy, which is usually a bad sign with Vegas, but, um, I'm drunk. So, uh, I'm going to take it. (laughs) Fair. Uh, Connor. 
Yeah, I mean, for me to be convinced that Minnesota could slow down Ohio State, they'd have to get Antoine Winfield Jr. back from the Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Bucks, And he's not walking through that door. Uh, but you know who is? <laughs> like 15 five-star receivers for Ohio State. And this is going to be one of those games where they get all 15 of those five-star receivers a workout. Like Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to have like five touchdowns somehow. Um, it's going to be a slaughter. I, I think that P.J. Fleck here when they were like, you know, seemingly good, will go is one of the mirages of the decade. Uh, this is going to be an unholy beatdown. It should be more like minus 24. Absolutely bet Ohio State if you can get that line. Yeah, I am also inclined to take Ohio State, even though I'm always a little afraid to make it a, a clean sweep, but uh, 14 points. I was surprised to see that. Uh, and the total also feels a little low to me. It also seems to be moving down instead of up, uh, which uh, worries me when you get some kind of counterintuitive line movement. But um, I think this is a game where Ohio State puts up a lot of points and flirts with like, you know, 45-50. And then you need Minnesota to only score a couple touchdowns in a game where, first of all, we've mentioned that Ohio State's defense looks a little shakier than in years past. That Kerry Coombs hasn't been fantastic um, and is very much in charge of that secondary. And, uh, I mean, Minnesota does have some some decent passing game weapons. So uh, I would go with Ohio State in the over, and I would think about betting both of these. Uh, Alex, how do you feel about this one? Yeah, so I placed um, some of these bets about a half hour before we recorded, and I took Ohio State. So we're all in agreement there. All right. Um, yeah, that one feels a little easy, but uh, – I mean, sometimes it, you try not to outthink yourself, too. Um, next up is uh, Friday night, uh, appropriate for what is going to absolutely feel like a high school game here. Uh, Michigan State uh, <laughs> gets three points against uh, your betting favorite, Northwestern, uh, who is at home. Um, and the total for this game Feels high at 45. Uh, Tan, um, uh, Tan and Connor uh, have differing views on whether you should bet this game. Tan, <laughs> I will let you go. Actually, no. Connor, you should go first and set the tone for this. Okay. Before Dan, like, drunkenly, like, stumbles in here, do not bet this game. For the love of all Thank of you. this holy, Thank do not you. bet this game. Boo. He doesn't want you to make money. He's trying <laughs> Dan, to keep the money away from you. I just want to say that, like, if there – if it's even possible for there to be a Big Ten matchup that's going to have more quarterback shenanigans than Illinois versus Nebraska last week, it's this one. <laughs> There's going to be quarterback chicanery like you have never seen in this one. So stay away from it. Yeah, for that reason exactly, uh, I actually bet under 45 there. I didn't feel comfortable betting for either team because I think they're both going to be pretty bad. Um, but yeah, under 45. A true sicko's under to kick off college football <laughs> season. You'll love to see it. Beautiful. Uh, Dan, you've kind of given it away, but uh, what what side of this game do you want to bet on to make the money? <laughs> Connor doesn't want you to, uh, to to make money. That's why he's he's uh, going he's, – he's telling you not to bet the game. Um, this one's easy. Uh, I'm actually going to this game because I am the, the truest sicko of them oh all. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm, oh. I'm going to this game with a friend of the pod uh, at Ben at – Ben Gorin. Um, but anyway, um, 
in all seriousness, this is actually something I put in before I had, you know, four high alcoholic beers. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I think that um, this line has dove from uh, from Northwestern minus seven to Northwestern minus uh, four or three, depending where you're looking at the past couple of days. And uh, look, M- Michigan State beat this team last year. Um and I feel like Northwestern is just going to be really, really bad. I mean, they lost their best player on offense, um, and they've announced that they're starting a bad quarterback. <laughs> and I mean, like like a quarterback that we all know is going to be bad, like not even like, uh, you know, a second thought. And Michigan State, you know, do I think they're going to be good? No. But I think they're going to be better than last year. And yeah, I mean, I would say take MSU in the points. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I this might, I'm, I'm genuinely not trying to like reverse jinx this or anything. I just, <laughs> I think Michigan State is the is the correct bet here. So yeah, this is if if it wasn't for the the weird um, OSU Minnesota line, this would be my lock of the week. It's terrifying to me that I agree with you on this one. Uh, although um, not about whether you should bet this game, but. If I were to bet this game, uh, I would, I would probably be taking whichever team also got the points on this one, and in this case, MSU's plus three. Um, both of these teams have horrifying offensive depth charts, but I think Michigan State has a little bit more uh, juice in the skill position department, and uh, I mean. I, you know, Mel Tucker can probably coach up the defense to be solid. As uh, Dan said, this this was a win for Michigan State last year, um, weirdly. But uh, and the only thing that I think would make me truly afraid of that overhitting uh, would be some defensive touchdowns, which are absolutely in play in this game. <laughs> so, uh, um, I would maybe wait uh, on that total because a lot of people are going to look at forty five and hit that over. Um, just automatically because that is a very low total. So I might wait and see if that creeps up a little bit, and then if it does, hit the under. Uh, the next one up on the schedule is uh, our very own game. Uh, Western Michigan is getting 17 points at Michigan. That is Saturday at noon. Uh, the total for this one is significantly higher than the game we just talked about. This one's at 67. You might not be shocked after uh, watching Michigan's defense last year. Um, Dan, uh, um, it, you've got a more sober take on this one <laughs> than the last one. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think Michigan's really played a game like this under Harbaugh because 2015 Utah, which was a legitimate team, 2016 Hawaii, which was a much more like trash can team. Uh, and then like 2017 Florida, 2018 Notre Dame, 2019 uh, I, I, I guess that um, the 2019 game was similar to this. I don't know. Michigan always seems to start out slow, but they do tend to win these games comfortably. 17 points. I mean, I can't seem... I feel like I'd be disappointed if Michigan only won by 14. So I'll say bet Michigan minus 17, but I would stay away from this one. This is one I would I would definitely stay away from. You definitely didn't deliver that with a uh, ton of confidence. So that that does sound like a stay away. <laughs> uh, Connor, what's your pick for this one? 
So I, I want to say, obviously, as the optimism guy, I do think Michigan's going to win this game by more than 17 points. But as a gambling man, I don't think you can bet on this Michigan uh, team with a spread like that until we see, like, can they run a screen? Is the quarterback making reads? Like, they're very likely to win this game, but if they're going to win it handily, they're going to need that, you know, cohesive offense that they have only had in flashes. <laughs> um throughout the recent years. So you have to see Michigan play this year before you bet them because the range of outcomes is just too wide. So I would stay away from this one. Yeah, I don't, I didn't really know that much about Western. Um, and yeah, I chose not to bet this one. Solid. Um, I took Western and I'm leaning towards the over in this one because I think uh, the errors in this game are largely going to be be made on the defensive side of the ball, on at least in Michigan's case and in in Western case, Western's case. I just don't know if they're going to be able to stop Michigan on the ground, and if Michigan can put up any sort of cohesive passing attack, they're going to put up a fair amount of points. But um, as we mentioned earlier, Western does have a pretty solid quarterback, um, and even though you know. He's only really excelled against Mac-level competition so far in his career because that's all he's faced. Um, Mac-level competition would have excelled against Michigan secondary last year. So I'm a little worried about uh, Michigan and, you know, especially with a, you know, a backdoor cover in play. Um, you know, maybe a late touchdown or two in there if Western decides to leave their starters in while Michigan is toying around with uh, some lineups. Uh, I probably wouldn't bet either of these. Um, I have not, and I'm I'm not particularly inclined to do that. Also, because I don't I don't really like selling Michigan games like that. Um, but uh, I, I, you know, I've got enough of an interest already. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd probably stay away from that one. Up next, uh, Penn State is plus five and a half at Wisconsin. That is also Saturday at noon. The over/under for this one is at fifty. So not not much about that MSU versus Northwestern matchup. Um, Dan, uh, I think you've got the counter take here. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, uh, I I guess I just I'm more sure of what Penn State's going to be than what Wisconsin's going to be. Um, Penn State has the horses on defense to stand up to Wisconsin's front. They have the athletes at receiver to take advantage of Wisconsin's deficiency in the secondary. Um, And, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, look, and they're also getting five and a half points. So it's basically do I think that Penn State can keep this within one score more or less? Um, yeah, I, I think they definitely can. So I'm going to go with Penn State here. Um, I think that, you know, uh, maybe Graham Mertz will wilt under pressure from Wisconsin, from Penn State's uh, very good, you know, defensive pass rush. Um, yeah, give me Penn State in the points here. I, I feel like five and a half is too much. All right, Connor? Um, yeah, I mean, five and a half does feel like a bit much. I, I also want to say, like, the thing about betting overs and unders it's just tough week one. You just don't know what these teams are going to look like. So I, I generally stay away from those. I like Wisconsin here. I just I think Wisconsin's going to be a, a meaningfully better team than Penn State. Uh, they just bring so much consistency in. In recent years, they seem to have cracked a lot of codes around the Big Ten, namely bashing Michigan's head in twice in a row. But, <laughs> like, I yeah, I, I'm not a believer in Penn State this year, if you haven't been able to deduce that. So I'm going Wisconsin. 
I think I'd take the over, which feels strange to say with Wisconsin, but I do think they're going to be trying to pass it at least early to see if it works. So I guess Wisconsin in the over. Yeah, I, I bet Wisconsin. I I would also pick Wisconsin and with a fair amount of confidence to the point that even though uh, they're like around the minus 225 range on the money line, I would consider maybe using that as a parlay piece uh, with some other bets that you are particularly confident in if you're uh, trying to make a little bit of money that way. Well, that's always a little risky. Um but I would stay away from that total. I agree with Connor that it's kind of a tough read on this one because I could see Penn State just having a very difficult time scoring. Uh, we've talked about our uh, skepticism about Sean Clifford and uh, also just that Penn State hasn't had a good offensive line in a while. Um, but I like. I think Wisconsin's coming into this season a little undervalued because uh, while they didn't look great last year, uh, they – got hit with COVID about as hard as any program in the country. So even after they came back, I, I like, I, I don't think that was a fair representation of that program. And I, I think they're going to bounce back a little bit more. Like, like people are really down on Graham Mertz now um, after being super high on him in that first game before he had COVID. Um, and, Admittedly, that Illinois defense was god-awful and was a big reason why uh, Lovey Smith got um, summarily fired after the season. But uh, I, I think Wisconsin uh, is maybe not getting the hype that they should. I'm, I'm a little surprised at Iowa getting picked above them by a lot of people to win the Big Ten West, uh, which takes us to Indiana getting three and a half points at Iowa on Saturday in the 3.30 window, that's our marquee game this week, and I actually kind of agree with it, even though the total for it is a Michigan State versus Northwestern E45. Uh, Connor, we'll start with you because I think you have the uh, strongest of, of the four of us in terms of your feel. Hoonshire, that's my take here. Uh, I, you know my thoughts on Indiana. I think they're going to be pretty good this year. Um yeah, they're getting some points here, which I find interesting. I don't know where this Iowa hype came from. It feels like Kirk Ferentz like put on a full like a PR blitz and is just paying people off after the scandals last year. Like I don't, I actually don't get it. Like we know what Iowa is; they like always hover around like you know the the seven point five win region. Like I I actually don't understand what people are seeing in them. Um, so yeah, I actually think Indiana. I think Indiana might honestly beat them down to make a statement to start the season, but I'm going Indiana and the over. Um, Indiana has a lot of interesting skill players, and they, I mean, they like to throw the ball. They probably have the best quarterback in the Big Ten. So, yeah, Hoonshire. All right. Uh, Alex, I, I like your message, so I, I would love if you could deliver it. Yeah, I decided to bet the Indiana money line because I like – high-quality vintage college apparel from our wonderful sponsors, homefield.com, and a bunch of funny <laughs> posters on twitter.com. So um, I'm all aboard the Indiana winning 10 games train, and it starts with uh, with a straight-up win here in, in uh, Iowa City. Promo code bucket problem. Dan, uh, your pick. Um, so I'm on the record as saying Indiana is soy and uh, Reddit. Um, but, uh, <laughs> uh, I'm going to Indiana here. Um, I'm going, I'm also going Indiana and the over parlay that shit. That's a lock. 
Um, because I, I th you want some smart football analysis right here, okay? Michael Penix Jr. has a strong arm and he's an experienced quarterback. And that is the number one thing you need to tear apart a cover two base defense. Um, Michael Penix is going to be taking apart, is going to be hitting those uh, those gap shots uh, between the corner and the safety in cover two. He's going to be hitting long downfield. And once they start cheating that, he's going to be hitting long downfield shots um, on, in the post against this cover two. Um, yeah, I absolutely think Indiana is going to cover. Um, and I'm also going to say it's going to go the over because Indiana is going to score 40 points. And then all Iowa has to do is score a touchdown to go over 45. So um, Indiana and the over, those are both locks. Uh, just, you know, bet, bet bet the mortgage on them. That's my, that's my uh, financial <laughs> advice. <laughs> uh, we definitely do not advise you to do that. Uh, I do. I know. I want to say yes. It, absolutely. We, no, it's, we it's would actually... like to point out that Dan is four deep uh, at this moment of some tall boys. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, man, uh, the confidence that we have in Indiana is almost swaying me to pick Iowa. Um, but I wrote down Indiana. I will stick to my guns here. Um, I do think that, uh, Iowa is getting a little overvalued heading into the season because they are returning a lot, um, from a team that was pretty decent and they are at home in this game, which does help, but this is not a Kinnick at night situation, at least. Uh, this is Kinnick in the mid-afternoon. Um, and Indiana, I think, is getting a little bit of the short end heading into the season because they did not have Michael Penix uh, for decent chunks of last season, and that is, you know, injury stuff is not built into the projections, really, or at least most of them. Um, so I think... Uh, I'm not quite at Indiana money line, although I would I would certainly think about it. Um, but I would, since they're getting points, I would take them because I'm confident they can at least keep this close. I and I would consider betting that. Um, I would probably stay away from this total. I would certainly not uh, call the over the lock like as Dan would. Um, I actually lean under just because it is the first week. And Iowa is going – one thing we know about Iowa is they are going to keep things slow. So I, I just uh, – I'm worried that the pace of that game, especially if it's tight, is not at all going to be fast enough um, for both of these teams to get into the 20s, uh, <laughs> which might make it kind of a rough watch, but that's that's your Saturday afternoon Big Ten special right there. Um that's all we got for this week. Uh, thank you for putting up with us <laughs> if you made it this long. Um, and if you haven't, please check out uh, the offense and defense portions of uh, this podcast where we went into a you know pretty detailed position-by-position position preview. And, uh, you know, all of us were sober for those. So that, that was good. Um, so, yes, um, subscribe to the podcast on you know, wherever you get your podcasts, uh, we are on Apple podcasts, uh, and Spotify and, um, Google, uh, you know, again, still sort of the feed is weird. Um, but I'm on my way to fixing that. These, these things, you know, they go at the pace they go at, um, please subscribe to the newsletter at the bucket um, rate us, review us, use the promo code bucket problem at home field apparel. Uh, contact me at the bucket problem, gmail.com. If you got any, uh, 
inquiries or questions or mailbag stuff, because I always like getting that. That is uh, easy posting material. Don't hate it. So, uh, and I think we're all uh, genuinely excited for football season. And goodness gracious, I'm not looking at how long we've been recording, and I need to wrap it up. <laughs> Have a good week. It's game week. Let's go. Let's fucking build on this shit, boys. Let's get it. Let's get it. What happens if we went out, huh? Who's going to remember all the fucking games before, man? Nobody. We went out. We did our job. We said we're going to dominate the second half of the season. Let's build on this shit. Mm. Let's fucking build. Yes, sir! Yes, sir!